Welcome to the Experts Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. For most people, a holiday is a time of joy and reunion with other people. But for some, it is not, and the feelings generated by this are commonly known as the holiday blues. To a psychotherapist, the holiday blues can mean many things which might reflect a deeper problem. To explore this with us is Joan McGill, a clinical psychologist in Boca Raton, Florida. She has many years of experience as a psychotherapist. Dr. McGill, thank you so much for joining us. I'm very glad to be doing this with you. Does the nature of a holiday blues somehow reflect the real emotional state of affairs for a person? Does it take us into the nature of their current emotional and social life? Where does it come from? It comes from a number of places, just like each of us is a unique individual. The factors that affect us and our own personalities intertwine, if you will, to create our felt experience, especially around the holidays. When do we know whether it's a situation that they should come for professional help or just a transitory sadness associated with the season? How do we go about making that difference? I want to make a distinction between the feeling of sadness and what we call depression, and maybe even delineate that or offer some intermingling of depression and holiday blues. So the distinction that needs to be made, I believe, is that we're human beings and we have feelings. Sometimes people are scared of their negative feelings. Sadness is a normal human emotion. We're supposed to feel sad when, say, a loved one dies or something in the world happens that that touches us. Sadness needs to be experienced. In fact, the core emotions of joy and sadness are what really make us fully human and frankly healthy. But depression is something different. I call it a lump of feelings altogether that pulls a person down. They can feel hopeless. They can feel persistent sadness, which is different from the emotion of sadness, which can last days. Or if a loved one has just recently died, that can go on for some time. We talk about a normal mourning process for, say, a spouse is two years. After that, one would want to seek clinical help or or some kind of professional help to find out what's going on. But then depression itself encompasses things like not eating, not sleeping, maybe thoughts of hurting oneself, and that's at one end of depression. There can be some persistent physical symptoms such as like headaches or digestive disorders or chronic pain, for instance, back pain that can be chronic, and of course that should be addressed, but doesn't mean one is depressed. Feelings of a low nature that go on for two weeks or more really need to be checked out. And if someone is suspecting that they have what we are going to call the holiday blues, your differentiations, you're dealing with the terms here, are very critical. The two-week number seems to be a magic number in most of our diagnostic workups. If someone is beginning to feel blue at the beginning of December in anticipation of Christmas and New Year's and being alone, where do we say, okay, go see Dr. So-and-so because I think this is more serious than simply being upset that you're going to be alone? Many people don't realize they're depressed. They're not even Good point. aware that, oh, gee, I've been feeling low for however many weeks, which brings up the critical factor of we human beings are social beings, and it is important that we're not isolated. People have varying abilities and preferences in terms of how they connect with others, but it would be very important for, say, a family member who observes someone who's been low for a while to go up to that person and say, gee, you know, I've noticed thus and so. Would you be willing to talk with me about it? And then as a friend or family member who cares, to be able to determine whether there would be encouragement or 
seeking help. If there is an undercurrent of depression, and you are absolutely correct, there's a far greater number of people out there who suffer from depression sort of under the radar. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to a holiday, it pops up. Is there a certain personality makeup that hides the depression, that won't acknowledge that they have a problem, a makeup that we need to look for? Good questions. That gets us into specific populations. Okay. And one of the things that I believe is important for all of us to understand is that depression manifests in different ways for different groups. I was trained so long ago, in those days, it was believed that children couldn't experience depression, which now we know is absurd. Children as young as three years old can be depressed, but children manifest depression in a very different way usually. How do they do that? How do they show it? They become what we would describe as agitated. It might look more like anger or oppositional behavior. Not always. There are children who pull away and retreat into themselves, but more often than not, children will act it out. And so for a caring adult, parent, or friend to be able to observe that, and sometimes it's just a matter of being able to sit with a child, help them talk about whatever it is they're experiencing, but other times even children need to get to help. Elders also were just beginning to learn so much more about elders and how they've been set aside for so many years, partly because we didn't know enough to be able to understand them and ourselves as on a continuum. But often the myths of aging cause elders to pull back or even believe that they're supposed to be, well, I hate to use this term, but non-valuable in our culture. That's a significant population to reach out to, whether you've got a family member in, say, a retirement community far away to make sure that at holiday time there's lots of contact and if family cannot be with an elder over the holidays to make sure that there are others who will interact with that elder. In other words, back to the social. It's the connections that people can make that can be very helpful. Our families are becoming increasingly fragmented. The divorce rate yeah. is incredibly high. So a child might actually be reacting to the fact that this is the first year that his mother and father are divorced, and that could be presenting as a depression, and overlaid with a holiday blue because this is the first Christmas that both parents aren't in the house. It could be something as simple as that. Yes, simple and complicated at the same time. That brings up the importance of parents because they are the adults and may be reeling from a divorce or, or trying to deal with their own lives to be sure that the children have access to what say stable, calm people, possibly relatives, aunts, uncles, grandparents, when a parent doesn't believe he or she can fully be there for that child through a difficult time. When does it become important that the parent or an aunt or the teacher or whomever for a child says it's time to go to a counselor, to go to a psychologist, to go to a psychiatrist, to whomever? Where, where's that line? Is there a line? Let me put it Yeah, down. line is a difficult one. I would encourage them to educate themselves. Okay. What, what's coming to mind is how many people in a variety of situations I've had to educate in terms of being direct with a person who appears sad and not able to deal with life in the normal way. It's very important if you know the person, you don't have to be a family member, but a friend, for instance, say, are you thinking of hurting yourself? Mm -hmm. A lot of parents, for instance, will say to me, oh, no, I'd never say that because then that gives them the idea if they weren't thinking of it. And I say, no, 
That's not true. It's a huge relief for the other person. If they're not thinking of hurting themselves, they will hear the caring and they'll be able to say, no, I'm not that. I'm, I'm sad or I'm feeling really low and I can't seem to get out of it. And then there can be further conversation. But if that person, adult or child, is thinking of hurting herself or himself, there may be silence or there may be yes. And then it's important to ask, what have you thought about? And if that person gives any kind of answer, even vague, like, oh, sometimes I just think about driving my car and not not paying attention. In other words, it could be vague. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm going to run into a tree. It's time to get help. And if that person isn't willing to come with a friend or family member to a place of help, it's important to access the community resources. And that can even, and I've had to say this to a number of families, to call the police. Because in reality, that's what they're there for, is mm-hmm. to help us as a community and to be healthy. It's sometimes the most important thing we can do in our lives. I remember, actually, it wasn't a client. It was a friend who called me one day several years ago and said she was really worried about a friend in San Francisco. She felt sort of helpless to intervene. So I told her what I've just said. And at first she was hesitant. But then weeks later, she called me up and she said, thank you so much. I ended up calling the police. And truly, I think I've saved her life is what this friend said. So it's really important to be able to reach out to others. There are a lot of people suffering. And if we reach out, we really can't make a mistake by trying to help. Being overly cautious is better than not. And then it's absolutely uh, it, it's this is a very interesting theme because it suggests that the holiday blues might actually bring to light, as we've discussed already, but it's a key element might actually bring to light an under the rug problem that's brewing, but never really pops up until the environment of a holiday reveals it. Exactly. And something that most of us in our field become aware of over the years of practice is that often people will say to me, oh, this must be the busiest time of year for you. And I say, well, no, frankly, the busiest times are January and February. It's after, and I think every major religion has a midwinter celebration that is Mm -hmm. about family and actually getting through the dark of winter. So there's a lot of expectations. I believe that probably the biggest contributor to the holiday blues and, yes, deepening depressions is unrealistic expectations. So that once the holidays are over and people, even those who had some hope through the holidays about, oh, like this is going to happen or that's going to happen, and it does not, people can plummet after the holidays are over, after New Year's. So that's time for us as professionals to be really alert to where people are at. You mentioned the dark of winter and comes to mind the notion of seasonal affective disorder, somebody might actually feel a depression which is related to the season, which is not a holiday blue per se, but a cyclic affective disorder that occurs when the number of hours of daylight are shorter. This has been well established. So as you're talking about it, it becomes even more important to take a good look and get the etiology of it. Absolutely. And Here's the real dilemma, because someone who is depressed and or feeling the holiday blues isn't able to be objective about what's going on and loses that ability to observe a pattern over time. They become very focused in the moment, particularly with adolescents. This is a dangerous time because they don't have a lot of life experience that they can bounce back, that they can be resilient. That takes the wisdom of experience to know that, okay, I'm feeling really awful, but I've felt this before and I will feel better. 
One of the things that people often ask, and you are a psychologist and you do psychotherapy, you do not prescribe medications. We've come to be in our society, a society that's, shall we say, a bit too quick to take a pill. And the American Psychiatric Society has actually just issued guidelines on the treatment of depressions, and they talk about the absolute importance of early onset psychological explorations to see how much of it is a situational issue, a psychologically treatable issue, and not necessarily a medication. I find this fascinating, and what you are talking about here is actually getting to know where the depression is coming from before instantly going and take a pill. Absolutely. And again, the distinction between sadness and depression. Sadness, we're supposed to feel that. It's a process that we must experience. It indicates that we've had meaningful experiences and we've lost something. So we don't medicate sadness. We should not medicate sadness. That's part of life. Yes. Well, it's difficult for people to make that distinction, and that's one of the reasons one would be a psychiatrist. Certainly, I refer in my practice for medication evaluations because, and this is the saddest thing of all, that so many people have the idea, although I do think it's changing for the positive, but so many people have had the idea that somehow mental or mind problems are shameful. They truly are no different from, if you, if you wear eyeglasses, Mm-hmm. You're, you're being medicated, right? A number of people come to me, and when I recommend a medication evaluation, they will be obstinate about, oh, I will not take an antidepressant, or no, I will not take medication. So then it's my place, my opportunity to educate people about brain chemistry, and certainly if there's been longstanding stressors, how that can alter how our brains work. And frankly, there are some people who are so low that psychotherapy won't help them until we can get the brain chemistry more balanced. And as I put it to people, they can return to being themselves. And it's not about willpower. There comes a point where we can't just say, well, I've I've got to just change my attitude. But having said that, and as we know from the research, severe depressions need medication and psychotherapy. Psychotherapy for depression involves so much about helping to empower a person that they have choices and that they can change perceptions. Again, going back to the unrealistic expectations of this holiday time. Now, there are many, many people, of course, who absolutely love the holidays and do very well. But for people who have perhaps ongoing problems that the holidays make it worse or are having a new experience of being depressed around the holidays, it's really important to be able to access that ability to talk with oneself in a positive way. In fact, the term resiliency, I really love that word. It means the capacity to bounce back from adversity. To be human is to experience adversity. But how we deal with that, it's not what happens to us, but how we deal with it that's so important. Our ability to, as I say, have to know that we have choices, even if we don't act on the choices at the moment. For instance, a person who may get overwhelmed in large crowds and has been invited to lots of holiday parties may have a belief, oh, I have to go to all of these. Well, no, there's choices. One can select a few of those parties. One can opt to invite friends to have quiet dinners. In other words, to take the opportunity at this time of year to assess who am I and what do I need and to listen for the answers. As you speak about this, what comes to mind in perhaps a rather simplistic way is that if someone's suffering the holiday blues, they need to look at it with the same approach as when they're driving their car and the little light comes on that says check engine. It says something is wrong. 
what you're saying is very valuable information. The process of sitting, talking to oneself to start, and perhaps getting some help to look at why the blues have occurred. It's something that may just be, as you said, a sadness because this is life, or it may reflect a larger problem, and that's what needs to be explored and, and hopefully corrected. People need to know the local resources. Typically, they will vary, obviously, from community to community. But on the whole, where might people begin to look for some help if they need some help at this time or any other time? There are numerous resources. If the person has a trusted clinician, medical doctor, psychologist, or other, I would start there. If that's not possible, even if one doesn't have or isn't connected with spiritual beliefs, there are marvelously trained and very good clergy who can be helpful to any person and would certainly, if they can't help in an ongoing way, will direct a person to adequate resources. Most communities, at least in this country, have a mental health association where, and many times, clinicians will dedicate some hours to helping people who might not be able to afford it. And there are low-cost counseling centers. Certainly in our community, there are some, but I urge people to find out the resources in their communities. Police do help in this way, so that would be a way to reach out also. Though the community may be somewhat out in the middle of nowhere, there usually is a resource available. And as you said, clergy are very helpful on this. And even where there may not be any formal medical mental health clinics as such, there usually are clergy nearby. So yes. the, the key is to reach out, to go reach out to somebody and start the process. Yes so important to reach out. Joan McGill is a clinical psychologist in Boca Raton, Florida. She has spent many years doing psychotherapy and her experiences and her observations are invaluable to helping us understand the notion of the holiday blues. Dr. McGill, thank you so much for joining us. 